0: you're listening to the journey podcast have you ever wondered why default parenting happens and how it impacts mental health listen to today's episode for an in-depth look at this common parenting dynamic hi i'm petra Brunbauer, and with decades of experience with sadness pain anxiety and stress i finally figured out how to leave all that behind And this podcast shows you how to break free permanently, so you can reclaim your sanity and find the self-esteem and energy to go after the life you desire, with real talk about mental health, holistic healing, and the tough journey of coming out the other end. This is The Journey Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Today is part of Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK, and this is a special bonus episode. Default parenting is a phenomenon where one parent is assumed to have the primary responsibility for parenting tasks, even when both parents are present. This can lead to a lopsided distribution of parenting duties and create tension and resentment within the family dynamic. In this episode, we explore the topic of default parenting and its impact on families. Our guest shares her personal experiences with default parenting and provides insights on how to recognize and address this issue. We discuss strategies for creating a more equitable and supportive parenting dynamic, including communication, delegation, and setting boundaries. Kara Gonstead is a mom to an adventurous little boy, a wife, a business owner, a practicing psychotherapist, and an adjunct social work professor in the social work department at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. From a young age, she knew she wanted to help others and is so thankful to be living out her passions. She loves beautiful sunsets and sunrises and being out in nature during the warmer months. Let's meet Kara Gonstead. Hi, Kara. It's so great to have you on the podcast. I've been looking forward to getting to chat with you because we will be diving into default parenting today. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Yes, it's my pleasure. And do you want to share a little bit about yourself and your story?
1: Absolutely. Sometimes I don't know where to begin. I'm going to be honest with you. But yes, I'm happy to share. So I do, in all honesty, I kind of juggle a lot of roles as a lot of people do. So I am a mom of a little four year old now who just turned four. I am a wife. I am a licensed psychotherapist who has my own practice. And I teach adjunct at our local university in the social work department as well.
0: Wow. That does sound like you have a lot on your plate.
1: Some days feels like more than others, but yes, all things I love, thankfully, so it works out really well for me.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for that introduction. And let's dive a little bit into what we said, default parenting. Now, some listeners might not really know what that is or have heard of that. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it is, what it looks like, so that listeners can get an idea?
1: Default parenting, in my opinion, looks different For everyone, I think it can be a really subjective thing, but also quite objective too. So, default parenting really serves as a statement and kind of phrase where if it is a two person parenting situation, that one of the parents is typically doing more of the things or what I call the busy work. So, oftentimes, what we see, at least in this area, is moms usually, when it's a mom-dad couple, moms usually are the default parents. I think that comes from a lot of reasons and a lot of places, but this might look like the dad doesn't even think or ask or connect with mom about scheduling doctor's appointments or dental visits. It just kind of is an assumed role or moms just take care of that piece. So it breaks down into that aspect as well as oftentimes what child rearing or child care looks like. So if it was a situation where possibly both parents have careers, it oftentimes ends up being that mom is responsible for finding child care or providing child care. This may look like household tasks too, right? When it comes down to just adult responsibilities, it might be that mom is cooking and cleaning. Or mom is doing a lot of the things around the house, laundry, dishes, all of those types of things. And again, I'm explaining this in a way that feels very, very, very heavy on one side. And it doesn't always look like everything placed upon one parent, but it usually is the person who assumes the majority of the roles within parenting. They would be the default. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And we do see that constellation quite often, even today where many women do have their own career or they do work or have a business, we still see that constellation actually quite frequently. And what kind of impact does that have, let's say, first of all, on the default parent, what kind of impact does that have to sort of be responsible for so many things?
1: I think it's incredibly a heavy load to bear for a vast array of reasons. I think specifically just on the person being the default, the mental health implications of feeling like you have to do everything or that your partner won't pick up whatever slack is left over of things you're not doing is a lot to bear. It's a lot of responsibility that comes in the day-to-day unfortunately, monotonous tasks that we all have to assume sometimes, again, cooking, cleaning, getting kids dressed, whatever that might be, taking them to daycare. It just becomes overwhelming sometimes. That's the best way I can put it. It's overwhelming. I think the other piece of how that looks within a household or a relationship is it naturally oftentimes creates resentment towards your partner. Because you feel like, why aren't you helping me? Or we're both adults here and why can't you assume this chunk of response? Why does it feel like it's always back on me? I think it certainly creates many dynamics for many reasons (laughs) within the adult relationship and within the person who is the default parent, as well as just collectively, what does home time look like? And how much are you actually getting along
0: and enjoying your time when
1: you're the one assuming the majority or all of the responsibilities?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So do you find that many people who are in the default parenting role don't or can't talk about that with their partner? I think that comes
1: up more frequently than not. We either seem to have kind of two sides to this if I'm categorizing, really, truly kind of two sides. So the one side being that if this is coming from a learned behavior or generational place, so what I mean by that is if, let's say, me being female, if I grew up and I saw my mom all the time being the default parent, or the majority of the time being the default parent, I might learn as I get older and become a parent that that's just what I do as a mom. Or that's just simply my role. That's what moms do. Or the generational piece of, again, if you look back one, two, three, however many generations, if that's what the person that you identify with, again, your mom, your grandma, whatever that is, if you identify in that way and you're following kind of the patterns of the generational cycles, you may just feel like that is your responsibility. So I think the one side is people just think it's what they should do. Women just think it's what they should do or what they're born to do, quote, unquote. I hate that one, but I use it for the sake of a reference. So they are quiet about it because they just think that's what happens. And then I think there's the other side of it, which are the people who get very resentful or are much more outspoken and who want to speak their mind upon this and bring it to their partner's attention that can be a great, great, great starting point for conversation within the household and your relationship. What I often see, especially within my clinical work, is that if I had two parents in here and there was very much a default parent in front of me and they were explaining to their partner what they're doing and how they feel they don't get quote unquote help within the household and what they would maybe like their partner to do, it's pretty often that the other partner thinks they do a whole lot more than honestly what they might be doing. And that I think just creates even more resentment sometimes. But I would say if there is no communication about what is going on and what the default parent is feeling and thinking and how they're internalizing things, then it certainly is a bumpy road ahead. I think communication is a huge and significant place to start with this.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking that maybe sometimes the partner isn't really even aware of what their partner is feeling or thinking because they can't express it. And they might think, like you said, that they're actually taking on a large chunk of what needs to be done when in the end the other partner feels neglected or even abandoned in some of those tasks. And all that's missing is the communication. So what can people do if they are feeling some resentment or maybe even anger towards their partner, but they're just not really able to express that or they don't know where to start. What would you recommend?
1: One of the things that I love to do with anything related to this is what I always call facts versus feelings, right? Because when we get really resentful of things, we usually get very emotional. And that's super natural. We might get angry. We might start crying. It's completely natural. But unfortunately, if we're stuck in this place of feeling, it's really difficult to communicate truly what we need and what the facts are. I always encourage people to what I call brain dump. So what I mean by that is take out a piece of paper and truly write down everything you can think of within the course of day-to-day parenting and home tasks that you're doing or that need to be done. Just the things that feel like more facts, right? Not how you feel about those things, but just what those things are. Again, examples, getting your child up or putting them to bed, helping them with their daily tasks if they're too young, brushing teeth, getting dressed, all that kind of stuff. Appointments, making meals, all of that kind of stuff. What does that look like? And then who is actually doing those things? I think with the non-default parent, again, when they think they're assuming more responsibility than they potentially are, to actually see a list of tasks that need to be done and then attempting to divvy them up in a way that just makes sense with scheduling, makes sense within your strength of you and within your relationship. I think when you can delegate a little bit more, it just makes more sense at least short term. To really see what's happening and whose time and attention is going where.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how does this apply? So, we're talking about a couple constellation right now, but how does this apply? For example, if we have someone who is single parenting, I mean, they would be maybe the only parent there, but how can they deal with a situation like that if they feel overwhelmed? Is it okay to ask for help from friends and family, or how can they best approach this? This is such
1: a great question. I was truly having this conversation just yesterday. So, this is great timing. And you are so spot on. I have so much, so much empathy and admiration for people who are single parenting because I can't even imagine truly in my own shoes what that would feel like. So, first of all, kudos and credit to all of you single parents. Huge pet in the back. But to your point, yes, I think that. When there isn't another partner there, people might just go, Well, of course, I have to do everything. I'm the only adult here. Like, obviously, I'm the default parent. And while that is accurate and true, I think there are plenty of ways that you can still ask for what you need, still go ahead and make that list by yourself and figure out what truly is causing you the most distress to figure out where your areas of strength are, the things you enjoy doing and want to do, and the things that just feel absolutely draining to you. For example, if you are someone who has the financial ability to hire someone to come in and do some cleaning in your house, for example, that may be a wonderful thing that you can just take off of your list that somebody else could do for you. So hiring things out and asking for help in that way, I think is a great option. Now, that's not everyone's stance, though, or maybe not what they want to do or what they financially can do. So in those other situations, this, again, is where communication comes right back into play. So this may mean friends, family, asking them, hey, like, can you help me every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m.? Whatever it is that you need People are not going to know you need help with that if you're not communicating the need and asking for the help. So really figuring out how can I actually speak up and truly ask for what I need. If you are somebody who is a stay-at-home parent and maybe you really love your career, but you are a single parent, maybe this means actually getting back into what you love to do and want to do. When trying to piece together a daycare option or an in-home provider option, I think oftentimes single parents feel incredibly stuck and that makes sense, but I think there certainly are ways that we can still pivot within that role and get our bucket filled in terms of self-care and truly what we need and want and what will make us feel better with our mental health and just day-to-day tasks.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine how difficult that would be to single parent and the challenges that you would face by yourself. Very, very difficult. I'm curious, do you think that for some couples and for some families, default parenting works for them? Is there situations where one parent is very happy to just assume the majority of the duties and they're okay with that? Wonderful,
1: wonderful question. Yes, I think that that does come into play sometimes. I'm going to say it's way more often that there's a default parent who doesn't want to be the default parent. But yes, to your point, yes, I certainly know people and I've heard people within my office who, again, I'm going to go back to what I typically see, where we maybe do have a mom who just truly feels like her passion and her love and where she gets fulfillment is with raising her children. And so absolutely, if that's her strength and she loves to do that, and the couple, if that makes sense within their relationship, absolutely. I say, let somebody have their strength. Let them do what they enjoy if that's working out. But I certainly still do think that within that, there probably are specific areas where somebody still needs more needs met, whether that is simply having a night out with friends, whether that is, hey, I really love reading on top of all this stuff I love doing with parenting and running the household. And maybe on a Saturday, like give me four hours just to dive into my book and enjoy my time by myself. Even though people might love doing one thing, as with any other aspect in their life, I think there certainly needs to be some harmony within just caring for you while also caring for other people in this external manner.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is certainly true, because we can't really give from an empty cup. So there's always a good time to start recharging yourself so that you can give back to your family and care for them. And I'm curious about one thing. So when you and I talked before I know that you just experienced a very scary medical situation yourself, and feel free to talk about that a little bit as well. But I'm wondering when something like that happens, and for example, the default parent becomes unavailable, let's say to illness or a medical situation or something happens, what happens to that dynamic in the family then when the default parent suddenly cannot be the default parent anymore?
1: The first thing that comes to my mind when you're asking me this. Is I'm going to go completely left field for a second, but I'll wrap it back around. Is when I think about just from this general notion of when one partner does anything that is very much only known to them. And the first thing that comes to my mind is like, if we have two people and just one of those adults takes care of all the bills, all the money that's coming, and they know where everything's going, and the other partner, whether it's by their choice or not, just doesn't know what's happening with anything or where that money's going. I think you can kind of almost use that correlation here. So with that example being said, what might happen in this situation, right? Again, if that partner with the money example isn't there for whatever reason, things are left in this space where now it's just kind of chaos. And it doesn't have to be that way, but it feels that way because we just don't really know what's going on. And when I think about that in terms of parenting, that truly may mean sometimes that one parent just does it different than the other, and maybe one parent really likes things done a specific way, and the other parent can still do those tasks just fine. It just may look differently. So I think that is a place within your relationship, even if you love and enjoy being more of the caregiver and provider and quote-unquote default parent. I still think having conversations about what the expectations are or just what works within the household and for your children is always a good idea. Just to have some knowledge and awareness of schedules, of what happens, of things like common things, right? That are important, like allergies or food allergies, things like Mm -hmm. that. I think it kind of can go both ways. I think it's sometimes a place of, Sometimes one parent just enjoys and functions really well with having a little bit more control over what's going on. And so just so both parents have some awareness of what's going on can certainly be helpful. And I think when it comes down to, you know, big life events, I think naturally non-default parent will just kind of pick up the pieces in whatever way that looks like to them Now we have lots more people in our house because maybe the non-default parent is working full time with a non-flexible work schedule. And maybe we do have to have hired help, family, friends now kind of taking over because the default parent isn't able to physically be present or whatever the situation may mean.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine that that happens sometimes, you know, there's accidents that happen or illness that happens. So certainly that can change the dynamic within the family when that happens. Now, do you have any advice or tips? For for example, say that you are the non-default parent and maybe you have kind of realized that because you're the one who's working or you're the one who's mostly out of the house. And do you have any tips for them on how they could check in with their partner to kind of see what's going on and to make sure that they're not becoming overwhelmed or that they can get help if they need the help or support if they need support? Any tips how they could start that conversation? It almost feels
1: more loaded, and I see this all the time. It almost feels more loaded of a question and conversation than I truly think it needs to be. Mm -hmm. I would approach this in a way that you would check in about anything else. So as simple as what normally people do when their partner comes home or you both come home collectively is, hey, how was your day? Right, like this quick check-in. I think that it certainly can honestly be as easy as that to prompt a conversation and a starting point. So just to say, for example, how did things go today when you got so-and-so ready for school if we have a default parent? Like, what's working? What's not working? Just simply asking, how could I help more? Or what could I do differently? Or is there a way where we could be more cohesive on Monday nights when we're running one kid here and one kid there? Just a simple check-in. And hopefully that will actually prompt a further, more in-depth conversation if that's needed. But I think just showing the care, the compassion, and the connection within what's going on in the household, as well as this relationship point, I think does wonders for people who need that check-in And just for basic communication, I think it's a pivotal, wonderful thing to do. It doesn't have to be this loaded conversation off the bat, just a check-in that hopefully leads to more.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I'm hearing a lot from you that communication is very, very important. So. I would definitely, definitely drive that home and keep that in the back of your mindset. if you don't communicate, your partner might not know what's going on. So very, very important to talk together and actually find out what's happening. Great advice. And do you want to go over some of your own programs and services so that listeners can get a feel of how they could connect with you in their journey of parenting or even healing? Absolutely.
1: So within my few roles that I have here, one of those, of course, is me practicing and being a psychotherapist within my practice. So within that, within licensure limitations, I actually can only serve people who live anywhere within the state of Wisconsin. So I am limited in that clinical capacity. The other piece that I think can be super helpful is I have a different platform called Intentional Growth. And within that, that is really just my hub of all things and people who I can't reach in my clinical practice. So within that, I do have my own podcast. I do have currently one logbook slash workbook that can be really helpful for people who are experiencing any type of ongoing care or preventative care. So if you want to check that out, that's certainly something that can be very, very helpful. The other thing that I do is I do retreats, And so I focus those truly on mental health and well-being within specific areas. So I have this huge love of working with moms in lots of different aspects and ways, but really just more of the empowerment. We've been talking about more of the communication pieces of things And just taking back you after becoming a mom, I think many of us and myself included sometimes lose our identity in a way, or at least a piece of what we really still want present after becoming a mom, because we have such shifting roles and responsibilities. And so I love to connect with people on things like that and offer offerings within that space. So that would be the best place to reach me at if you are outside of Wisconsin and you're not looking for any clinical services.
0: Mm, That sounds amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And as Kara mentioned, she also has her own podcast called Intentional Growth. And you can listen in from your favorite podcast provider. And we will be linking to all of Kara's offerings in the show notes as well. So be sure to check there for all the ways that you can get in touch with her and you can work with her if this episode align with what you're looking for. Well, this has been another incredible episode, and I really hope our listeners have enjoyed our journey into default parenting as much as I have. I have learned so much during the last half hour with you, Kara, and it has been fantastic chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. I so appreciate being able to talk about this and just shedding light on things that are so common for so many people, but unfortunately aren't always talked about. So thank you for that
0: yeah absolutely and take care thank you so much you as well thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen in if you enjoy the journey podcast please subscribe share on social media and leave us a five-star review you can find more of the journey on facebook instagram tiktok and the journey blog sending you love and courage and see you next week